Hello and welcome to the Tech.eu podcast for myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. This week we'll be covering Union Square's increased investments in Europe. We'll look at Finland-based kiosk that raised a 30 million B round. We'll take a look at French startup Demay Medical that won the EIT challenge. Person that we're featuring this week is Facebook's Julien Colonneau. And Neil and I will have a chat about business angels and does Europe have a business angel problem and who are the business angels you should know. We thought we'd also introduce this episode by saying that it's an episode that does not feature a food delivery service. So this is probably a very rare episode in that respect. But let's kick it off with USV's investments in Europe. So earlier this week, we had New York-based Union Square Ventures, which I think most people probably know because of investor Fred Wilson, who's very well known there. They announced that they were making an investment into Munich-based startup SimScale, which is a startup that specializes in complex 3D engineering simulations. It's obviously not USV's first investment into a German company. So some of their other German investments include Clue, which we featured not too long ago, and Oxmoney, I hope I'm saying that right. Union Square has also invested in other European geographies, like uh, I know that they're an investor in a French startup called La Ruche qui dit oui. They have also claimed that out of their eight investments that they make annually, two of them are actually Europe-based. Yeah, I actually had a look at this earlier in the week just out of my own curiosity as well, because I noticed kind of how how much more they were investing in Europe. And actually, they have 20 um, investments listed on Crunchbase for this year, and five of those are in Europe. So same percentage, 25% of their investments are in Europe. But yeah, Crunchbase had them making a lot more than eight in a year. It was at 20, but five of those were European. So even though their average had kind of increased in terms of the investments they've made, the European investments maintain the same rate. So yeah, I mean, even better for Europe. But I think it's quite rare to see 25% of an American investor's bets being placed in Europe. So it's very interesting. I think I saw when I mentioned this on Twitter, someone said it's because they're from New York. And for many different reasons, they're closer to Europe, it's easier for them to get here. And also because they're not as kind of, I don't know, US centric or not as based in the valley or, you know, they're open to kind of more opportunities. So that may well be the reason, but certainly uh, interesting that 25% of their investments are in Europe. Yeah, and I think, I mean, they're, they're definitely not the only VCs in the States that are looking at Europe. I think we've mentioned it, especially when it comes to, to later stage capital. But we have obviously some funds like Excel that have Europe offices. But there are some that I think are also, they don't yet have a presence here. And they have actually gone ahead and made investments in Europe. One that I was actually really surprised to see was fund SoftTech from Silicon Valley. That's the fund that's run by Jeff Clavier. Their investment was in Croatia-based Farmeron. So I thought even, you know, not even the typical geographies that you would expect to see. And obviously, I've also heard rumors about a certain high-profile VC that I will not name on the podcast who has an apartment in Paris. So I think also sometimes you have people that they just travel frequently to Europe and perhaps that they'll get more and more startups on their radar through, through basic travel. Yeah, definitely. Also, another one which do invest in Europe quite regularly, another kind of really prestigious US investor is Sequoia. I mean, Sequoia actually invests fairly regularly as well. I mean, they make a lot more than 20 a year, so the percentage is smaller than USVs, but still Sequoia makes significant investments in Europe as well. I mean, and earlier and earlier, I think I mentioned on the podcast when we first started doing this, Sequoia actually invested in a Swedish 
startup Napillary at seed round earlier this year. So Sequoia not only investing more, they're also investing earlier as well. So I think when you see firms like Sequoia, USV, kind of the really big prestigious firms start acting in Europe, then we'll probably see more US firms following their lead as well, because they're the ones that people look up to and look to see what they're doing. So this very much could be the start of a trend of more US investors looking at European companies earlier than just late stage as well. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. And Fred Wilson actually uh, has written a poster on this, and you can go see all the figures that we, we mentioned earlier. But he praises European startups for becoming more global companies, and I think that essentially makes them more investable. Um, and he also praises the European VC community for operating more Silicon Valley style. Yeah, I don't know whether that's like actually a good thing or something we should aspire to or whether it really matters. But the reason why it does matter to Fred I don't want to say like I know him, I don't, but to Fred Wilson, it is important because it shows kind of they, they can understand it a little more in terms of the way European VCs are operating. Therefore, it makes them more attractive to work with and it just becomes easier for them. So obviously them operating in a Silicon Valley style makes it easier for Silicon Valley based investors or US investors to be able to work with them and to understand kind of their practices and their outlook. But whether whether it actually is a good thing or whether it actually matters for the ecosystem I'm not so sure, but that's why it's attractive to them, at least. Yeah, I think we'll definitely have to keep our listeners tuned on the other US VCs that continue to look at Europe. Now turning our attention to Finnish ad tech startup, Kiosk, that closed a $30 million B round earlier this week. The company raised its latest round with the European investment fund Innofin and some really great investors, actually, that include Russia's DST Global. The funny thing is I didn't actually know, I mean, obviously I know European Investment Fund, I didn't know Innofin, which is an initiative of the EIF and the European Commission that aims to fund up to 24 billion euros by 2020, obviously in debt and equity financing. But I think it's actually rare to see a startup using these kind of funding tools at this stage. Or is it? I don't know, Neil, if you've seen other companies doing similar things. Yeah, I mean, I've seen another Finnish company do a similar thing, and that's Rovio. So Rovio took about, I think, about 25 million euros last year. And that was from European Investment Fund or European Investment Bank in a similar kind of debt investment. What I think is interesting, so yeah, this is another Finnish company doing it. I think this is kind of very reflective of the Nordic scene and where now there is more venture capital available in the Nordic, so it's not so much of an issue. But before, when there wasn't, I think Nordic companies are very good at looking for other sources of funding rather than just traditional VC. So I think it's kind of uh, something that's in the mindset of, of kind of Nordic startups to, to be open to all of these different options. And why not? I mean, it's who's to say that VC is the right way of, of doing it? It all depends on your objectives and what you want to achieve and what you want to do with the money and how you want your future to play out. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's a viable option. It's quite interesting that they would choose to do this. But yeah, I saw it with Rovio, another Finnish company, and I see it with Nordic companies looking at other options. Okay, so they're definitely not the only ones. But I think back to the company itself, Kiosk offers an advertising automation platform that is used by publishers like Daily Mail and IDG. The company has been growing fast and actually already has 
quite a few offices in the APAC region. So it looks like they're in Singapore, Japan, China, and Australia. Yeah, they're, they're certainly uh, expanding pretty fast. Um, one thing we, we should note, actually, is the, the 30 million B round. They actually raised 15 million earlier this year, but that made up this B round. That was part of it. So this was more a closing of a B round. But uh, so they didn't just raise 15 and then 30, as I think some people uh, believe this was actually part of that. So yeah, very growing very fast. But yeah, the 30 was was the one uh, bulk. So maybe not they didn't just raise 15, 30 and now kind of going really, really super fast. But yeah, 30 million series B either way is pretty sizable. Yeah, and I think definitely we'll have to keep our eye out on their expansion. Moving on to the winner of the EIT Digital Challenge, this is French startup Demay Medical. So the EIT Challenge, in case anybody hasn't been following, this event seeks to find the top 24 most innovative companies in Europe and help them to succeed worldwide with prizes that go up to 40,000 euros. This company, so the company that we're going to be discussing, won the category for health and medical, um, and they've developed a new technique to help dermatologists analyze skin cells using light. So definitely cutting edge of technology. Their solution reduces the need for painful and dangerous biopsies, which are apparently usually 60% benign anyway. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see a company such as this win a challenge like that. And it reminds me of when I was in at Oslo Innovation Week recently, there was 100 startups pitching at a big competition. And actually the winner of that was a UK company Skin Analytics, which is also in a similar field, but more based kind of at consumer, kind of allowing you to check your moles uh, and detect signs of melanoma earlier. But quite interesting that they won that pitch competition. Dame Medical won this kind of similar area. But I think it's kind of good to see these these really useful or apps for good or services for good uh, win these types of competitions. Yeah, and I think if you look at who won this category last year, it was a German startup called Tinitrax that treats tinnitus. I don't actually yeah. know how you say this. Yeah. Um, or essentially what's known as ringing in your ear, and they cure it with music. So following their award, I guess, at this event, they went on to launch their product in the Netherlands. So it looks like actually winning this event also essentially leads to, to much better business opportunities. There's, there's definitely some very interesting, there was a lot of interesting players in this space. I thought it was quite strange, actually, to see that the third place for this category went to essentially what is a health coach app from a German company called Seven Mind. I just feel like we see a lot of kind of health and coaching apps and, you know, the, this kind of things. And I just wonder how innovative are they really? And I mean, if you're going to be recognizing innovation and tech in health and medical, I mean, I think definitely the winner that they selected this year demonstrates that perfectly. But do these coaching apps really go that far? Yeah, I would agree. Perhaps uh, health coaching apps are the new food delivery bubble. <laughs> yeah, maybe for the health space. You're probably right yeah. about that. <laughs> so there's still three remaining categories for the EIT Digital Challenge. They'll be doing an event on smart spaces, Internet of Thing, and cyber physical systems. So you guys can stay tuned for that. Moving along to this week's featured person that you should all know, it's Facebook's Julien Codonu. So Julien is definitely somebody should everyone have on their radar. And you don't need to take it from us. He ranked 11th on the Wired 100 list this year. So he's inching his way towards the top. His current role at Facebook, which he joined in 2011, is Director of Global Platform Partnerships. 
And I thought it was hilarious how Wired describes his job. They say that he oversees apps on the platform and therefore has significant influence on their success. So if you want your app to be successful on Facebook, you should know Julien. And to be honest, I actually don't think that's far from the truth. So I think there's some good examples to illustrate. Prior to Facebook, actually, Julien was at Microsoft, where he's credited often with having created and launching what's now known as the Bispark program. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So I'm going to admit something embarrassing again, is I didn't know who Julian was before before you suggested we should talk about him today. And like, I'm, I'm doubly embarrassed to see that he was 11th on, on Wired 100. So I really need to stop looking at venture capital all the time and start looking at people in the scene. So I'm learning from this each week as well. But I've certainly heard of BizSpark. So I was very interested to see that Julian set that up. I mean, that's actually a program that no matter kind of what country I've been in or what ecosystem I've been a part of, it's pretty much always been an kind of an integral part of, of each ecosystem and people have always kind of had positive things to say about it. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely kind of um, can see even his ability just with the quality of Bispark actually and, and kind of what he did with that. So that's cool. Yeah, and I don't think you should put be too hard on yourself for not knowing him. He's actually, while he is often in the spotlight, he doesn't necessarily seek it. He kind of just lands there. So I think he's he's often easy, perhaps, for people to not always see in events and on these lists where he's even near the top. So don't beat yourself up about that, Neil. But most <laughs> recently, he actually started turning to angel investments as well. So I think that's really exciting. We kind of see these new people entering the investment space. So he uh, recently funded a French education marketplace called Cocoroe. And that's alongside pretty big name investors like Xavier Niel and Deezer founder Daniel Marley. So I think we can definitely keep an eye out for him. Uh, all right, now we'll move along to a debate on business angels. Does Europe have a business angel problem or is this changing? I guess this is a question that everybody loves to ask. And I think we'll probably also go over just who are a couple of business angels that some of our listeners should know. So first off, let's talk about AngelList presence in Europe, because I think it's impossible to talk about business angels without talking about AngelList. Seems that for now, they're only operating in the UK. Do we see a lot of UK-based European startups using the platform to raise? I don't think we see enough using it to raise. I mean, one of my pet hates, actually, in, in terms of the Nordics is that startups aren't on it. They don't use it. And what they don't understand is that everyone else is using it and they really, really need to be on it because the main issue with with not being on AngelList is a lot of other services use AngelList, not just to look for investment, but to look for startups and then you're picked up and then you're on other databases. It certainly makes you more visible. There is no reason why you shouldn't be on there, even if you're not particularly raising money right now or whatever i i think when you start something one of the first things you should do is to get yourselves on there i know for a fact that actually there's an event taking place in oslo either at the end either today or at the start of next week from angel list and 500 startups kind of doing it together with philip who's obviously part of both and that's about kind of raising their profile in the nordics or in norway specifically and kind of explaining the benefits and encouraging people to use it but certainly like for me i think that it's a no-brainer to have your startup on there and actually i think that that would also help in terms of the whole angel ecosystem as well yeah and that was actually a huge thing that i would recommend to startups that would go through the program when i was at microsoft ventures i told everybody from the moment you create your startup you should get on crunchbase and angelist and it was shocking the number of people that had never heard of angelist so 
definitely agree with you that it's not even just about seeking funding. It goes far, far beyond yeah. that. So in addition to AngelList, there's other angel networks, obviously. I think you have fewer online that are really making the cut. Obviously, you have kind of local equivalents to AngelList in different countries. I know there's a few in France, but probably nothing that's really making that big of a dent. In France, there's also what I would call some historical angel networks, the ones that are offline, and that tends to be often old money. And then I think you also have the really active business angels. So these are the ones that always kind of rise to the top and people always mention. And they function much more like an unofficial network. There's no way to get in unless you're one of them and they just share deals amongst themselves. But I actually think they're the ones that tend to really be funding a majority of the top projects. In addition to angel networks, I think we also have definitely discussed a lot of the different schemes like the EIS and the SEIS, which are essentially tax breaks for people who invest large sums of money into startups. I know in the UK, I have the impression that it's very beneficial and it's helped a lot of startups get funded. I actually haven't heard almost anybody complain about this scheme, but of course, you can always argue again that it isn't going to be smart money. Yeah, I mean, that is the issue. But yeah, definitely very, very positive schemes. They certainly do help encourage angel investment. This is something that, that's kind of lacking in other places in Europe. So this definitely does help the UK. But of course, then there is the issue with smart money. You do have to be a little careful with who you are encouraging to angel invest. I don't think there's anything worse than, than stupid. I, I would rather take no money than stupid money. And I would encourage any startup to do diligence on that. There was an interesting thing earlier this week, a letter from Neil Reimer from Index. Actually, it was targeted at German entrepreneurs, but it could have been pretty much targeted to anyone. And he was talking about he's coming across too many examples where kind of angels or early investors are taking about 60% of the company, which then just screws your company for forever. I mean, there's pretty much no coming back from that. You've written off the entire value. You're not going to be able to get anyone else to invest. So you really do have to be careful. And that's why stupid money is worse than no money. So there does have to be kind of some barrier or, or something in place. Something An initiative which is quite interesting in Norway is they've just run a competition called Angel Challenge where they had, I think it was like 100 startups they started with, and they kind of whittled them down throughout the process with a bunch of angel investors or people who wanted to get into angel investing. And then the winner of the challenge got something like $150,000 from the angels who participated in the program. But most importantly is that the angels were coached through the program. So not only was it great for the startups, kind of you can win some money from some angel investors, but also one of the main part of the program was that these angel investors were being coached throughout. So I think initiatives such as these are really, really welcome in Europe and will certainly do more to encourage kind of smart angel investing. Yeah, and I think a similar program that's actually got a lot of attention, they're, they're based in the Valley, I think, initially, but they've been launching their program all around the world, is Angel Lab. So they're essentially, they call themselves an investor accelerator for high net worth individuals. So people who want to turn their money into smart money should definitely take a look at that. But I think, you know, coming back to the, the main topic, do we have an angel problem in Europe? I think the answer, I would say, is actually no, and I would say it's been changing a lot we had a French company, essentially an AngelList equivalent called Smart Angels, publish a list of the top 50 angels in France. And I think you have a lot of names on there you would expect to see, but also a lot you really wouldn't and pe names people had never heard of. Sometimes we have the impression as well that we're really seeing the whole picture and we're not. But I think a few names to know from France 
Obviously, I'm biased when I mention this first one because I work for him, but Xavier Niel, who operates Kima Ventures, he has investments, I mean, incredible investments. They've got several hundred, but some of the top ones include TransferWise and La Rouge Qui Dit Oui, which now has Fred Wilson in it. Another one that I've always loved, I think he really just an amazing job with his portfolio, is Oleg Chaltsov. So he's the founder of Fotolia. He's done numerous top investments as well, like Lychee, which was acquired recently. He's in Delivery Hero, dozens more. I think he's had a ton of exits as well. So definitely a very, very great profile. Yeah, I think on balance, I think if I was forced to say whether we have a problem or not, I probably would say yes, but I I don't know whether I would say we have a problem, but whether it could be dramatically kind of improved from where it is now, then definitely yes, is my opinion. I think in terms of kind of naming some as well, that really depends like regional. It is like, you know, kind of who the ones in France are. I could name like a couple in the Nordic, like Klaus Nungard in the Nordics. He's very active, but that doesn't really help anyone from outside of the Nordics. Or there's another one, Hampus Jakobsen, but he is pretty much just operates in southern Sweden or Copenhagen. And my point is, is that is because kind of angel investment is traditionally kind of very localized because it is about kind of working with the teams or knowing the team. And, you know, it's such a kind of early bet that a lot of the time in Europe, I think it's still very localized which is where kind of platforms like AngelList come into if it's more popular then you can start using AngelList to kind of back more variety but if you look at kind of who's active and just at the very ground level it is very regional still and I think it's really important to have like an active healthy angel ecosystem because that also helps other investors looking in connect right so that's how when you when you're a vc who's based in london and you want to go and invest in sweden you're going to look towards who are the early stage investors who are the angels so they can feed through and get a deal flow between the two and that's who you want to make the connections to so it is very important for countries to have these kind of stronger individual angel networks because then it actually helps with getting more money in from the vcs and from the international vcs as well so yeah i guess i would say yeah we have a problem but as to the specifics of that i'm not sure because i think for me it's more about we can do a hell of a lot better or we can just be more joined up and more proactive i mean the fact that yeah most of europe isn't isn't on angel list in terms of their startups or even in terms of angels as well but it isn't kind of that popular here i mean that kind of points to the fact that it's not a very mature scene at least i think the angel scene in europe Actually, I think you're very right. I think the answer that I gave also demonstrates your point perfectly because I could only respond on behalf of France. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yes, Neil, I think you, you're correct. Oh, thank you. On that note, then, I'll definitely end the podcast before I can get anything wrong. So, yeah, you can, of course, leave feedback on this episode in the comment section. We read all of your feedback and take it on board, so please do that if you feel compelled to do so. We are, of course, on iTunes and SoundCloud, so please do follow us there we are on twitter at neil sw murray at roxanne vaza at tech underscore eu the website is of course tech.eu and we will be back next week thank you roxanne thanks neil